Which next step is the best fit for your future? What can you do to accelerate your professional development? And how should you navigate different workplace challenges? I'm Kyle Gantos, and our team is on a mission to crowdsource insights, best practices, and action plans from accomplished peers, all who began their career in Big Four, to help guide you wherever you want to grow. So excited to be here today uh, to talk about something that has affected all of us in some form or fashion throughout our careers. Uh, I've been on both sides of it. I'm sure both of you have. And, uh, you know, just talking about how to propose a change, how to inspire, whether it be a client, whether it be your boss, whether it be your peers to invest in your vision, to, to take an idea and actually be able to go execute it. There's so many people who want to make a big impact. And um, I'm excited to be joined by two people who've got a wealth of perspective on both sides of this. Uh, Mary, welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your background. Awesome. Uh, my name's Mary Thompson. I am the Chief People Officer here at Embark. I've been here for about two and a half years. Uh, my background is kind of all over the place. Um, I started my career in public accounting in Los Angeles, uh, transferred out to Phoenix, Arizona, where I currently live. Spent about two years in public accounting before making a change uh, to professional sports, where I spent five and a half years as the controller for the Phoenix Suns, two years uh, doing financial reporting with the San Francisco 49ers, and then spent a total of about seven years with the U-Haul Holding Company, um, where I was the chief accounting officer at the end, and then came to Embark. And um, also joined by Matt. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I started my career at uh, Big Four in Fort Worth um, in public accounting and then went to a smaller shop in Fort Worth doing the same thing, but just uh, doing a lot more unique, interesting skills uh, for medium to, to smaller size companies and then found my niche in uh, really technical accounting and consulting and have been doing that um, for you know about six and a half, seven years now. Well, I'm excited just because the, the the different experiences that each of you have had. Obviously, I have I have no big four background whatsoever, <laughs> um, but you know I've I've worked in a lot of different work environments. Uh, kind of job hop for the first ten years of my career, and then ended up doing my own thing for a while and trying to sell ideas externally to investors. Um, and then now come full circle being on the other side, I get a chance to kind of uh, to learn from both of you and so many really. Um, visionary people, builders here at Embark. Um, so I'm, I'm excited just to be able to share a lot of different perspectives. Um, and I think, you know, when we were putting this together and I saw you two as participants, um, I think one of the first things that jumped in my mind was, you know, what are, what are some of the, the stories and different, you know, experiences that you've had, maybe being on both sides of this, good and bad, because I'm sure there's people listening who were, you know, at different points in their career. So, um, maybe Matt, what's, what's, what's something that, you know, earlier in your career, um, or more recently that's, that's kind of stood out as a, maybe a struggle. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest struggle, right. Is we all want to be the best version of ourselves and bring that to our firm, uh, our, our company and really provide value, turn that, turn the heads over. Wow. What is Mary doing at, you know, Embark? That is so great. But with that, right. you have a vision? Um, and what you have outlined as your vision and, and your idea 
you you can't have too big of an ego because it needs to change and morph, right? You don't know the unintended consequences of who ultimately is your broader audience. And, you know, one of the examples I struggled with um, earlier on is uh, at a, a prior stop of mine, I wanted to expand really overall quality engagement, um, overall engagement quality, I should say, leveraging what had been done prior um, and what was continuing to be done uh, on a work deliverable side. And with that, right, I was viewing it from an execution perspective where I didn't look at the unintended impact from a business development, from the managing directors, from our clients perspective, right? Looking at all stakeholders involved and what that lift actually was. And I did a poor job communicating what that actual lift would be on their end rather than just looking at the end user and the stakeholder. And so what I learned from that was you really need to communicate your vision across, you know, not that first level, not your just direct report, and not just the first person down either, is what is the ultimate impact you're going to have? And then in that vein, not pushing your idea, right? Explaining the benefit of what you're trying to do, but asking the questions and listening over, well, how would this be useful for you? How can you take value from it? And then ultimately planting that seed where that person, that two, two levels up, the CAO, the CFO, they're bought in and they also think it's you know ultimately their idea. And that's the skill you wanna to get to is, hey, I presented something, you took it, you morphed it, and now we're gonna ultimately be successful because everybody understands the why and what you know is actually gonna be accomplished with it. Yeah, and I, 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 I hear you know the way you finish that, and it's like, gosh, I, I want to get to to that level. It almost sounds like like a Jedi mind trick, um, <laughs> you know. So it, um, and and Mary, I know you've been on, uh, you know, uh, you know the. That you've had your own struggles in this department experiences. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges I've had is really around understanding not only the appetite for change at an organization or within a department, but the timing of that change as well. So, you know, oftentimes you are asked to come in and and improve a situation or a process, and um, what you don't necessarily get told is the timeline over which people want to do that or um, necessarily what the org goals of the organization or department are to understand how your um, desired changes align with those goals. Um, so I would say that for me was one of the biggest challenges I've had in my career is going into a situation where they wanted to see change, but I didn't clearly understand the timing. And so while I was really eager to to make those changes and pull them together and implement them, um, you know, you, you can put it all together and put a pretty bow on it and, you know, understand who the stakeholders are. But then when you present it, if it doesn't align with the timing or the appetite, it can be pretty deflating. Um, and so I think one of the, the greatest things is to be able to ensure alignment, but then also to maintain a lot of resiliency because you're going to hear no, you're, you're going to, um, your ideas are going to, to be edited and, and a lot of times for the better the more people you bring into the conversation around your ideas. So um, that's just something that I've, I've really taken to heart and try to remember every time that your your ideas isn't the only idea and um, a collaborative approach is gonna be the most valuable to an organization. He hearing both of you you know, talk through that, I hear, I hear like a wins, like I mean, I hear 
positive things that you were both able to do in those stories. But then there's, you know, these other variables that maybe we can consider to be able to work smarter. And I've, as somebody who's probably got no shortage of creative ideas, I think one thing that, that I've struggled with quite a bit throughout my career is just, you know, I've, I've probably almost looked solely through my lens and failed to consider, you know, what might this, what's this VC firm looking to accomplish or what's my boss looking to accomplish or two levels up in leadership. Maybe there is an alignment. It doesn't mean it's a bad idea, but you know, um, as you said, you know, putting your ego to the side. Yeah. And with that, a few things I'm just going to yeah. run with that is, you know, the resistance to change, even though they say they want change, that's a big obstacle you run into is, Hey, we're looking to improve, this process, implement something else new, uh, whatever that may be, but then you get into that resistance and that's where you really have to get the buy-in, right? And people are risk averse for the most part. They want, you know, they try to limit the losses, right? And so the way you frame it is if you don't do this, this is what you're missing out on. The loss aversion is really triggered there. And then we'll probably hit on it further, but hearing that no and that resiliency, the no shouldn't be the end point. Um, it should be the beginning actually of the conversation. And you both, you know, we, we talked about some of our struggles, um, but you know, you both have had some pretty awesome wins too. And uh, you know, before we kind of get into some best practices and just different ways to approach it, um, I'd love for you to, Mary, start us off and just maybe talk about, you know, one of your, your, your recent wins, something that, that you, you know, a lot of that, a lot of the things we'll be talking about came together. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously, more recently in my career, I've taken, um, you know, a few what might think of as risks um, and and starting to to build something seemingly from scratch in a location and, um, you know, not being someone who has really played in those areas prior to taking on that opportunity. You know, I, I pulled together all the right people and 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 got a lot of input from those around me and and people in different disciplines not just accounting um, because building something like a market or or a department or or a company really requires you to take in the whole picture and I had spent so much of my career you know narrowly focusing on accounting and finance and so um, it was really cool to see you know all of the the stakeholders and the people come together and rally around each other and and not just me and and to be able to do that as a team um was amazing and and just so rewarding now every day when i get to see you know the people who um have come together to to make up that market it's been awesome and just to just to add a little bit of color to that you you you're referring to launching the Phoenix market yes. here in Embark, right? Yep. And this was what about two and a half? Two and a half years ago. Yep. Okay. And so you've basically launched, launched that market. And yep. meanwhile, working with, you know, an, a, a C-suite team, a yep. company that's growing rapidly. Yep. Um, maybe fill in a little bit of the blanks there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I Sorry. Pretty, I was trying to make it kind awesome. of, yeah. you know, making sure it's <laughs> applicable to everyone. But yeah. So in September of 2020, we launched the Phoenix market. Um, it was me at that point um, and had to lean on so many and, and trust so many people, which I think was a, a big leap of faith for me, given some past experience I had where I necessarily didn't have that trust. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I believed that I could do it, which was, I think, a big piece of it, too. You know, you, you want to check your ego, but you also want to have confidence in, in what it is that you're 
you're setting out to do. And so, um, yeah, I, I was able to find some really great people who I was able to articulate what it was that I wanted to do in the marketplace. And, um, and also we identified a need in the market itself, which was a, you know, powerful combination of the two. And, and now we've got 30 people in Phoenix and it's just, it's been a really rewarding experience to see everybody come together and just grow together. And you, you know, just thinking about some of the things both of you have already mentioned, you know, you've got, you know, this C-suite, you've got mm-hmm. clients, you've got yes. uh, employees, yeah. um, and then so many different, you know, relationships and journeys throughout that. So uh, looking forward to diving into and taking what we can learn from that. Uh, how about you, Matt? Yeah. Well, similarly, and I think there's a theme here with Embark, right, is I outlined what I wanted to do with leadership here um, with my vision of running a, we'll call it the the least dream team or cohort. Um, as people may or may not know, ASC 842 is a new leasing standard that's a, a, applicable to all private entities basically for the first fiscal year after 12-15-21. In short, <laughs> it means there's a lot of change coming down for private companies. Um, and so throughout that process, I outlined how I wanted to attack the market and be the best possible um, service provider for our clients. And what that meant was a dedicated team of consultants that were are solely focused on doing lease accounting. And so with that, um, I outlined my vision. I We're now at over 21 consultants who focus solely on lease accounting and, you know, getting not only leadership, like you mentioned, Kyle, but now these consultants bought in over how this will help you in your future career, what that looks like managing multiple projects, interacting with clients. Um, it was, it's been very rewarding, right? Um, and with that, knowing I have the trust and, and buy-in from leadership over my vision, over what that looked like, and then also giving my consultant, or not my, Embark consultants, uh, the autonomy and, and leadership and drive to own each and every project is really where I wanted to get to and, and we're there. And so it's it's been an awesome ride thus far, and it will continue to um, just grow, and and we'll see what happens with you know future cohorts at at Embark, and uh, it's it's exciting. I'm curious for to hear from both of you when you think about the the success story that has been written and that continues to you know evolve. How much of your you know like Mary like before you woke up the next day and decided to, you know, okay, it's day one of building something from scratch. How much of the vision you went to bed with the night before versus where you're at now, how much of it is, has like something completely different than maybe what you originally thought it would be. And and how much of it is that plan paid, you know, manifested. I I think one of the the biggest, I guess, the thing that kept me up the night before, I guess, uh, it, the way I framed it was really this idea around developing business and and, and the word sales. And that to me was uh, kind of terrifying <laughs> because I, I'm an accountant uh, by trade and, and that's, I'm, I'm an introvert and, and the youngest of three siblings. So I've kind of always taken direction really well from people, but I, um, I was really nervous about that. And, and what was so cool is not only did the C team step up to help and, and all of our growth function to support me in that, 
but even my family and my friends, my husband's in sales. And so he would kind of be like, give me your elevator pitch real quick and go through it. And then um, just having opportunities to, you know, I've got the most wonderful group of girlfriends who, you know, were like, hey, you know, we'll go to lunch and you can, you know, practice it, you know, your, your um, explanation of what Embark is and what you want Embark to be. And um, it was just really cool to be able to do that with people who support me. And I knew if I messed up, I could like, you know, take it again and, and, and try again. And um, that was just really, really cool. And, and now I think what I've come to realize today is that, you know, business development isn't um, necessarily all sales driven. And it's so, so much deeper than that. It's relationships. And I'm so fortunate to have you know, over time built connections and relationships with people who are now some of our best clients and, and just, you know, also some of our best friends. And um, that to me, that those connections have surprised me even more than I thought they would. Has there been something that has, through that success, that has become more obvious slash easier to do the more that you've seen it kind of build up momentum? Yeah, I think simply like picking up the phone and checking in on people and 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 seeing if there's a need in a way that we can help them. Um, that that seemed really scary at the beginning, um, but now it's something that I understand and and I would have really appreciated too having sat in those seats to know that there are people out there who are willing to help and 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 customize that help to whatever it is that we need. And, and that has become so much easier and just something as simple as, you know, getting in an elevator with a bunch of people I don't know, and just introducing myself. Um, that hasn't always been my first tendency in life. And so now just, you know, introducing myself, getting to know people, um, it's so much easier now. Yeah. And how about you, Matt? You know, you, you, you obviously had a, like a, a vision. How has that materialized? Yeah, that's a great question because I think it's actually got a lot larger than I thought it would, mainly because I didn't expect the, I'm a, I'm an accounting nerd. We'll just call it a spade a spade. Um, and so I really enjoy that kind of stuff. And you can ask my wife, um, she's actually an auditor still too. And so we have some fun dinner, dinner time conversations. Uh, so with that, really seeing the buy-in from Embark, from your associates to your senior managers, to your directors asking questions about, you know, what are you doing there that has so many people excited? And and I just boil it down to, you know, I let them lead and I'll, I'll just kind of guide, right? Um, they're really the GPS and I'm just holding the, the steering wheel. They're telling me where to go, what they're seeing, how I can help, best help them. And so just seeing the growth, you know, I'd never envisioned we'd get to 20 plus people on our cohort and and here we are. And so that it's an iterative process too. Some things may not work, um, but really ultimately asking the right questions and, and listening, right? It's not just asking the questions to ask the questions to feel like you care. It's the genuine, I'm listening to you. Here's the next steps we're going to take. How does that sound? Does that, you know, what else can I do in that process to help you along um, to get from point X? point Y to, to Z. Right. Um, and so that just being genuine. And I think that's where, um, you know, picking up the phone as well and, and not being afraid to hear no. And really, instead of shutting down when you hear no is ask again, 
another question over, well, how is your capacity right now for managing your lease portfolio? You know, I'm speaking really <laughs> generically into leases, but the no should trigger a question and then you listen and you have follow-up questions and it could just be, well, I'll follow up with you in you know, two weeks when you have time because, oh, it's, it's closed and you're slammed and you just, you can't talk right now. It's not that you don't want any help. It's just, you don't have time to think about how we can help. Uh, and so really people are always looking for the yes because they think that that's when you win a deal, when yeah. you have satisfied the auditor's requirements. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really the questions that peel back the onion as it were and the nose where you kind of get to what the true passion and desire of that person is um and that's where i think it's just it really comes with repetitions um and people yeah. don't like to hear that but the more you put yourself out there in a position to hear the nose and then practice those genuine questions of oh well i heard no and then labeling it responding back to what they said in a summary to, under, to make sure you're all aligned. Because a lot of times when you have a vision or a new idea, when you explain it and you hear that no, they might not have heard what you said because, or what you meant, I'll say, because you may not have explained it properly. So being able to have that back and forth to ensure alignment is really key. Uh, you said something, Mary, about, you know, kind of being an introvert and now you step into an elevator and you're like <laughs> introducing yourself. And like, I, I don't think I've gotten to that point, but I, I identify as more of an introvert. And I remember when I was um, when I was getting my MBA and I put together this business plan competition pitch and got some feedback from some people. And then I through some acquaintances went and would, would pitch that to different investors around town. And I never got a yes. And it was, you know, it was a little bit demoralizing. And, uh, you know, remember the anxiety of going into some of those meetings. And so I didn't get any funding, but I also, I also didn't quit. And, and then I ended up getting customer funding just, just by reaching out and learning from people. And I think probably I messed up a whole bunch of stuff, <laughs> but if I'm hearing you two correctly, for anybody who's listening, regardless of maybe where you're at and how far away it seems from having some of these stories, there, it seems to me that there is some element of like, people are also buying into you as a person and buying into like your spirit and whether or not they can trust you. And I wonder if, you know, how much of it has to do with just like that already built foundation. Well, I'll let you speak in just a second yeah, because you hit on a key point is, you know, that wasn't a success story for you, but you learned so much from it. Right. And that's what I want to explain. Right. Is, what you see and when you see extroverts or, wow, can I do that elevator pitch? Mm -hmm. It's not something, it's, it's like leadership in general, right? It can be taught and learned, but you have to be willing to learn and to exercise what, you're, what you've been taught in real world scenarios rather than just, you know, there's tons of great podcasts like this one, <laughs> uh, books, but you know, how do you operationalize that? Because once you get bought in a vision or a plan or an idea, the most important step is the execution, right? Now you need to execute on it so you build that trust. But getting to that execution piece, all of that is teachable. Um, not, nobody, oh, maybe some people, nobody was born with all of that already in their toolbox. So it's something you need to continue to figure out what works best for you. And I've always said, you know, be true to yourself as well. You know, what Mary does, I admire and I would love to, you know, 
I take things from what Mary does, but I, I'm not going to be Mary and Mary's not going to be Matt. Yeah. So what can I learn from her to add to my toolbox? And what can I learn from you to add to my toolbox? But all the while staying true to who I am. And I think that's a really good point as it relates to like all the different stops I've had along my career. They've all been so purposeful in my career development and I I wouldn't change any of it even though maybe I would have said something (laughs) different in the moment because I did take from every conversation, every job, every experience something either I wanted to make sure I carried forward with me um, to implement or things that I wanted to make sure I didn't do going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important piece to all of this is even when, you know, you get that no or you get on a call with a prospective client and they're just, you know, not not opening the door for <laughs> you at all. Um, one thing that I've seen one of my colleagues here at Embark do that I thought was really powerful is even after those conversations where it ends in a no, she does a write-up of here's what I heard you say, and here's you know what what we could bring to the table, and just sharing that with them is really really powerful because it's something that they can literally you know take to a meeting as a summary of maybe even where what they're struggling with internally in their own companies, and I just thought that was a really cool thing and a cool idea to say with every interaction you're going to take something away from it, and I just I, I try to whether I physically write it down or not is, is questionable, <laughs> but. Um, you know, mentally taking a note of like, hey, that was a really great thing that person said, or maybe I would say it a little differently next time. You know, I, I just think being able to pick up on all those, all those little pieces is really, really important as you're building a career. It's It strikes me just, you know, up to this point, it's almost, you know, we, we all have, we all are who we are at this moment. Yeah. And there's a foundation there. And if there's any amount of ambition then it sounds like what we're really trying to get to is a point of trust, like a certain level of trust. Um, and so I guess the rest of our conversation is going to be, how do we go from this idea, this ambition, this desire to do something to get to that level of trust and, um, and, and maybe even another way to frame it and please feel free to, you know, massage this a little bit, but there's different levels of trust. You know, trust could be, I'm saying no, Mm -hmm. but you're listening to me and you're repeating it back, which is telling me that you understand something about me as opposed to just your own selfish agenda, maybe. And that even is is a small win. It may not turn into anything for a while, Um, but do do you feel like, are are we on the right page by saying ambition to trust or how would you maybe reframe that? Yeah, I think that, you know, understanding that there's a, it's a journey, I think is part of it. So, so what that path is different for everyone, but I think it's really important to recognize that it's not going to happen overnight. And it, it's going to take several successes, several failures, several opportunities to be able to, um, to navigate that journey to trust. And, and I think a huge piece of that is showing up for people um, you know, that are, that are on your team. So whether that's, you know, your coworkers or your family or, or whoever it is, is continuing to show up. Cause that's in, in my experience, been a really great way of building trust with people. It's just them knowing that you're there, whether that's physically and or emotionally or mentally alongside them, um, for their journey, it, it becomes and builds trust on your journey as well. Did you add anything to it? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Cause I think, before we get to trust, you hit the nail on the head of, because I think trust is a very strong word over, I trust you to execute this. Mm 
that first one to get the foot in the door and get to that trust part is the understanding. Mm -hmm. You have an ambition, you have an idea, a proposal, you understand my needs as a boss, as a client, as a coworker, and those needs are gonna be met by what you have proposed. Now I trust you to go execute. So I think that understanding piece of, and, and reflection mirroring their, their needs, their tone, um, their uh, uh, speed to change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I need this to happen now and you're telling me it's not gonna, mirroring that we, we need to move fast, right? But getting that understanding then leads to that trust. So I think that understanding piece is the first pillar that then leads to the trust and, and executing. So let's let, let's start there, and, and before we do, you know, I, th I think, uh, you know, as we meander through this, maybe there will be some differences, but you know, there's all different forms of influencing. There's you know, mm -hmm. getting people to like give you a budget or or money to go execute your vision, but it also could be persuading a client to maybe embrace a new way of doing things. Uh, it, it could be you know, working cross-functionally with a different team that, you know, you both have a, a common purpose, but you're maybe not on the same team. How do you inspire them? It could be inspiring your own team to maybe want to level up or, mm -hmm. or, or believe in themselves. I mean, there's yeah. lots of different forms, but what would you both say is, uh, and, and I hope you will have different answers <laughs> here, but, but what would you say? Where, like, where do you start? Right. I'm, I'm laying in bed the night before I, I want to take this I think great idea or this desire to improve something and release it into the world, what do I need to do? What's the first step? I think um, understanding, which kind of picks up where you left off, but understanding your impact um, and, and, and the impact that your proposed change is going to have on, and, and on who. Um, because I think if people can truly understand the impact you want to make, it starts to become more digestible. And, and then if you're able to then articulate how you're going to do that, um, it, that it's those baby steps of, of getting that buy-in from those around you and, and sharing what it is that you are going to accomplish together and that it isn't going to be a one-person show. Yeah, with that, I think that's a perfect transition to what I was gonna say because <laughs> It goes back to checking your ego out the door and not making it all about you. The first question I would ask is, who is this going to benefit? How is this going to benefit the organization, your team? You know, what does that impact look like? Because you should have a plan, but again, it's going to morph. So the first question is, what's the benefit and who is it going to impact? Then let's have those discussions with that group of people. And instead of phrasing it with, you know, my idea or my plan is, lead with the benefit, right? Because then you get back to the, well, if you don't do this, um, you know, more dance around it a little better, but if you don't do this, you're gonna miss out on this benefit. So it's really, what is the benefit? Who's it gonna impact? Let's start having those conversations because your plan that you laid out, if you're too detailed and that person who is the decision maker on the ultimate budget or whatever that may be, if they don't view it as ownership from their end, it's not gonna get very far, be very successful. Many times. There are other instances, you know, where that could be successful, but really leading with what is the benefit, who is it gonna benefit? Let's go begin those conversations 
with that person. Um, and then as you look at, you know, one or two levels out too, because you have to be very cautious about how you proceed on certain instances. Like what is your, what is your role, right? You're not gonna, if I was in FAS and I had an idea, I'm not gonna go jump to our financial accounting advisory services. <laughs> I'm not gonna jump to our business transformation practice lead and say, this is what you need to do to be better, right? That's not gonna be productive for anybody. So knowing your sphere of influence and how we can then begin to have those conversations of the plan, the timing, the next steps. So um, pop quiz, you're both on the hot seat, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna throw out something and I just want you to give me an example so somebody can maybe get in the right mindset, okay? Um, Mary, let's say that you are looking to inspire uh, your consulting team to make, you know, your consultants to make a change in their market to, I don't know, to to help roll out a new practice line or to, uh, to you know, one of the, our initiatives right now is like training and development, yeah. you know, 360 feedback. What would be an example of, okay, my audience, my customer in this case is, or is my consultants, the impact? What, what would be like an example of the impact and how you would, if you start to train that mindset of what's in it for them? Yeah, I think my kind of two things. One would be to understand um, what it is they want to do. I, I always, I keep asking myself what I want to do when I grow up um, <laughs> because it changes all the time. Um, so understanding, you know, now that you've, you know, maybe had some career experience and you've had some exposure to um, a number of different clients here at Embark, like what it is, it, what don't you want to do now and what do you want to do? And then um, and then uh, helping them understand that their job is to work themselves out of a job. Um, I, a girlfriend of mine growing up um, went to work for Google for, I think, like 18 years ago. And she was told on day one that her job was to work herself out of a job. And that's always stuck with me and something that I've always tried to be sensitive to, that not everybody has that perspective or, or, or lens through which they view opportunities or their current job. And so one of the, the greatest challenges I've also had in, in navigating change or proposing changes is, is getting people to understand that this change isn't going to threaten your job. It's going to open up a whole new world of possibilities of things that we're going to allow you to explore and have time to do. And so that for me would be, you know, to, to send those two messages of like, hey, I want to genuinely understand what you want to do with your life and help you, you know, figure out how I can be a, a, a piece of that. And then the other thing is to do that, you've got to, you know, be able to work yourself out of what you're doing mm -hmm. today and provide that opportunity to the next person. I love that. So it's almost, you know, there's almost even a, a pre-step, which is don't make assumptions. <laughs> get, get, go, go ask some questions. Find out, find out for sure where that what's what's yep. their purpose. Um, Matt, if you were to, you know, be sitting down with a, the CFO of a company, and you know, you've got what what would be an example of an impact that you would present or start with? Um. Well, it goes back to understanding, right? What is, what's the punch list on the CFO's, or what is the CFO's agenda for what they have to tackle, right? Um, a great example actually is, just came up. Uh, there was, you know, obviously the new leasing standard needs to be adopted for their year end 1231-22. We had a conversation over, 
hey, it's, we need to get started <laughs> um, uh, and get you across the finish line. But they have a very unique um, issue going on. I won't get into it too much, but it's very material and they need to figure that out first. So as we're having these conversations, you know, I put a, we put a pin in it, right? Hey, before we can even talk about how we can help you with this standard, how can we help you with what you're currently doing? And if you don't need any help, you know, let's let you tackle that first. And then that will become, you know, let the dust settle because if you throw too many things on your plate you and your team can't do it, we're not going to be successful if we come in as consultants asking for things to overload your people, right? While they're trying to figure out something that's a lot more prior, you know, has a higher priority for them. So just listening and understanding what the CFO's, you know, punch list is, but also knowing, hey, you also have to do this eventually. <laughs> so we're going to follow up. We'll set a time for a follow up, you know, in one to two weeks. What What's reasonable for you? When do you think you're going to get this task done? And then let's re regroup and have that conversation. And it just goes back to the understanding of what what that impact is and what they have on their plate. Um, but all the while recognizing as well, this is something you have to do. And they realize that as yeah. too, that yeah, we have to do this. We just don't have capacity to do it right now. Well, you've brought, so but you both then illuminated, you know, there's, there is the, you know, what, if, if, assuming I know both of you well, and I've taken the time <laughs> to like truly peel back some layers and understand what your why is, what your purpose is, find out where you might want to go, then is, is my impact relevant at all? And then if it is, there's almost even another layer, which is, well, there might, there, there may be some other things that have to happen before we can even get to that point. So instead of having this, you know, desire for instant gratification, and I want this, I, I want my idea out in the world tomorrow, and I want my boss to believe in my idea, and I want our company to go launch this new practice line, maybe I ought to take a few steps back and really get to know the stakeholders that are involved here. Yeah. And I mean, if you force anything too hard, it's not going to be successful. We're both parents. So if you even like relate this to telling a child, you know, clean up, clean up, clean up, clean up, they're not going to do it. Right. If you think about how you frame everything in the context of how do we get them to see the value in doing it themselves, whether that, that could be a reward, you could do a little reward here and there. But if you just think back to yourself, and reflect on how would you want to get, have an idea proposed to you and someone being too forceful. And that's where, you know, the no's are actually better because at some point we've all experienced the, the very pushy salesperson mm -hmm. and you're just like, yes, sure. Yeah, sure. The water is, well, I'm going to a waiter. The water's great. Yeah. Yes. Please leave me alone yeah. <laughs> kind of deal. Right. Yeah. Um, nothing is ever going to be forced down your throat and be successful. Yeah. And we don't want that at embark for our clients, for our people, anyone we're interacting with, right? And we want them to be the best versions of themselves. And so that takes a genuine care and understanding. Yeah. We've reached the midway point of this episode. Are you enjoying the conversation? Be sure to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom that can help you work smarter to level up faster. Speaking of which, have a follow-up question or future topic request? Email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com so we can get to work on creating content that'll help you get wherever you want to grow. And now... Back to the discussion. Okay, so you know we've we've you know maybe I'll we'll, we'll redo this a little bit. Step one: build a relationship, yeah. like get to know whoever it is, and maybe maybe that starts off with like I don't know online research of the person I'm going to have my introductory meeting with today. But maybe it also is somebody I have an existing relationship with, and like, is there anything I can uncover? 
Um, the next thing is focusing on what, what could the impact be? Like how, how, how will I help this person get closer to where they want to go or where the team or company needs to go? Um, and then, you know, from a process standpoint, like both of you have mentioned, you know, in your, your not win category <laughs> that, you know, alignment and just expectations, you know, how do you, um, how do you work through that? I mean, how, how do you, how do you even like sit down and conceive? Like, is there an exercise to think, okay, I want to, this to happen, or I think I can create value for this person over here, but how do you start to factor in and consider and not overlook maybe some other stakeholders that are important in that process? For me, this is most relevant at one of my, um, one of the companies I worked at where there were a number of different stakeholders and being down in the accounting department, we're kind of, you know, downstream. And so, um, you know, we're usually the first people the customers call when they're upset about something. And we're also the first people that internally people come to uh, when things aren't quite going the way they thought they would based on a customer or vendor interaction. And so, yeah, it, it's, again, just understanding what your goal is and then understanding what the impact is, but then taking one example and reverse engineering that. I think that, you know, one of the things we tend to get overwhelmed with in accounting and finance and just the data world in general is, is just the, the sheer volume of transactions or interactions or um, connections. And I think sometimes being able to distill that down to one particular transaction that you're trying to work through or, or one connection or relationship and just kind of reverse engineering it and understanding, you know, who all the people are that touch that, whether it's a process or a relationship or a transaction, um, you know, upstream from you so that you can then better propose and, and explain what it is you're trying to, to, change or propose and then you know make sure you have the stakeholders but also you're 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 saying that you're taking the time to understand you know their position and their role in it and i think that's really impactful to people uh, i'm the kind of person that i'll i will hear that right and then i will like start to create like a visual map and i, yes. I think i'll probably let's just say knowing my own <laughs> capabilities yeah. i might get 70 percent of it right yeah for the sake of you know making it even more concrete. Could either of you like walk me through a, a relatively simplified example of the reverse engineering and like, you know, actually yeah. spell it out? So I'll really quickly, cause I think it's a very simple one that a lot of either industry auditors, consultants can, can really relate to, right? Is um, having, knowing that the ultimate goal on certain projects is a deliverable, right? Mm -hmm. So, what does your project plan look like? Well, we know our end date, right? Well, how do how do we work backwards to when we start? If it's end of April, right? Um, it's mid, well, gosh, late March now. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are the steps? And then the alignment, the questions. Who is the decision maker if we need to change this account mapping? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that goes up to uh, our controller who needs approval from the CFO. Okay, well, let's loop in the CFO at this date and then you kind of walk through it, right? We know our project plan, we have everybody involved walking through the steps, the durations, right? Is it reasonable to get this done in five days or less? Let's walk through the timeline. Oh, well, maybe the end of April isn't reasonable. Let's reset expectations knowing, hey, if it takes five days to get this approval, another five for this, all of a sudden 
we waterfall it out, right? We've reversed engineered what we were delivering on mm -hmm. through a project. And this, you know, I'm not recreating the wheel here, but yeah. you're walking through a project plan, asking questions as you develop it. Again, project plans are as useful as, they can be useless, I'll say, mm -hmm. because no one, no one relates to them. Somebody said it without asking questions. Yeah. Nothing makes sense. So having people involved in the process, buying in, having sign off, you can easily reverse engineer in that instance, a target end date, which makes sense and is achievable, right? And not one person can develop something like that, that roadmap as it were, in isolation for it to be successful. If one person does it in isolation, it's, it's useless. I mean, I could pull up an Excel file and do the same thing and people don't care about it, right? Because they didn't have buy-in to it. If you've had these conversations, hey, I'm on the hook now. I said I could be done in five days. Shoot, it's day three. I need to really get on in on that um, and so I can meet the deadline. So then this would be something as you as you kind of reverse engineer and map this out, different stakeholders, and I'm having conversations, I'm sitting down with both of you and maybe, maybe both of you are thinking of a stakeholder that I didn't think of. So there, yes. that would be a, some value mm -hmm. from having yeah. those conversations. Exactly. You mentioned getting some buy-in. Once, let's just say there's, you know, seven stakeholders, you know, uh, what, ranging from CFO to controller to team, um, is my next step like reaching out to each of those people individually, or is it more like when the time comes for this, then reach out, or is it just knowing is helpful? Yeah, it's, I think it just depends on the, the project, the vision, right? If it's a technical accounting memo, it's, hey, we're just going to keep the CFO informed, right? Whatever that looks like for them, they're very busy. Do you just want an email? We'll keep you here. Here's the project. If it's a much more involved, you know, massive ERP transition or an acquisition occurred and you're integrating them, right? What form and function makes most sense? And again, you know, I hate to sound like a beaten record. It's probably just asking questions. Um, each person is different, right? Kyle, you may want a call where we walk through for 15 minutes. What's outstanding? Hey, you're tagged to these tasks for you know, like I said, five days, how do you need help? Are you are you still on track? Well, Mary's, hey, send me a, a quick bullet list email over, you know, what I need to do because, you know, I, I'm low autonomy and or high autonomy. And so I can do things myself. I don't need to touch base with you. So it's really knowing the people yes. and how they best, what's the best communication and effective communication for them. And it's not going to be a one size fits all. So it's again, and you know, I'm going to bring up that 738.55 rule here because 7% of communication, and this is an old, old study, so it's probably not accurate here, but 7% of communication is what you say, 33% is how you say it, and then 55 is that nonverbal facial expression, body language. And it's a little tougher to see that on Zoom um, or Teams or whatever yeah. function you use, but no one's going to straight out not everyone will openly communicate, just send me an email. Some people will, yeah. but you can see, hey, Mary's kind of disengaged. Looks like she's doing something else. I'm going to just call her after this and say, do you want to be dropped from these calls? And I can just send you a summary. Oh, because I saw you communicate. Not you didn't say anything, but I was looking at you, looking at your phone. Yeah. Your eyes were down. I asked you a question. You asked me to repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. those little cues of, okay, well, maybe we just, drop this person and send them the agenda and what was discussed, right? So, 
you know, I hate to say it depends and it all, it's all flux, but it really is just how you best communicate with each other. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask people what their preferred communication yes. method is. I think that sometimes we think it's one size fits all. And, and I think just sometimes being asked can show genuine, you know, desire to, to meet where they are as opposed to forcing them mm -hmm. into, you know, this very rigid project plan that we have. It's like, no, we want to understand another, you know, some baseline things we need to do just, you know, to, to ensure a project runs smoothly, but also, you know, making that little extra effort to tailor whatever service you're providing to somebody can go a really long way. When you were building out the Phoenix market, and I, I take it you were probably working with some biz dev folks as well. Yeah. Or, okay. So when, when you would, you know, essentially we're talking about influencing a non-client to become a client. Yep. So, you know, they're, they're, they're putting their business on the line and yep. trusting. Yep. So got to build that trust. How was anything that we've touched on? Was it, was it any different, you know, not being able to have like your project map, but like, like, was it, was there already, you know, okay, I'm going to, but when you're getting involved or meeting with the CFO, the ultimate decision maker, or was there like a, a, a process where you're like, hey, we've got a relationship here. Let's go sit down and have this conversation. And then it took time to kind of map this out and get that final meeting. Yeah, I think I have a pretty general approach to, to most situations. Um, you know, it, specifically working with the BD team, I think that was really, really important to understand their styles and the things that they pick up on so that when I sat in a meeting, I could be complimentary to what it is that they were presenting or or what they were hearing. And I always was really surprised where, you know, two different people could walk out of a conversation and hear two different yes. things. Um, and I think that was really, really helpful for me to say like, hey, Mary, like you've got to keep your ears open to more than just the technical accounting need. It, it, you got to pick up on those other cues of, you know, are there other priorities going on that we need to be, you know, mindful or respectful of? Um, and so I thought I, that to me was a, a really big eye opening is to say like, yeah, my structure kind of works. But when you can complement that with somebody else who has a maybe a similar structure, but a different lens through which they're taking in the information, it's really, really helpful. If we're, if we're building up to a point where we're doing like a final pitch, you know, they're doing that elevator pitch or going in for like a, you know, a, a presentation of some sorts is the, is the, I know you've, you know, just through some of our chats, Matt, you've mentioned, you know, get some feedback before you get to that point. Um, how, how do you go about doing that? You know, like, I, I guess if, if you, is, is you, you want to do that before you've lined up, you know, the, the kind of big meeting, or do you want to, uh, I guess just maybe walk me through that, especially on, for somebody who, you know, you did so much work and then maybe some of those things you didn't do ended up coming back to get you. And now you've adapted and look at what you've been able to do. Yeah. Um, again, you know, it's listening and then asking, um, and clarifying, right. Uh, it all comes down to if, and again, um, everything is not a one size fits all some potential clients you get on a phone with and you explain xyz and you go through the, the proposal uh, at a high level and they say awesome let's go yeah they're like so next steps are you want us <laughs> to just send you the yes right so what you're talking about is hey now we're getting to you know the chief decision maker where we have to present our case um and we've had all these 
um, discovery calls up to that point, you know, ultimately you're not going to have a direct path to that chief decision maker or not ultimately. Sometimes you don't have that before you go into those meetings. So it's working with your contacts up to that point to say, here's how we're going to outline and here's what we're going to hit on, on the proposal, on this deck, on this presentation. You know, here are the key points. What do you want? And sometimes, you know, it's just, again, asking what does he or she want to see in this? Is it how we're going to get from point X or point Y to, you know, point Z? Or is it, you know, previous quals that we have, prior projects that we've done, success stories? Mm -hmm. Is it direct, just give me the price, right? Um, you know, just understanding I can fit all of that. And, you know, what does the presentation look like on the form? Does it go with previous quals and then our, you know, our approach, discussion, and then fees? Does that, is that what they're looking to see? You know, we only have 30 minutes. What can we fit in there? We only have, we have an hour. So it's really just that constant back and forth and, you know, listening on, hey, we're setting this up with the, the CFO and this is the project, you know, their time short. So whatever you can do. And so then you just ask, are ultimately they concerned about price? Is that the main question? Do we just need to dive into how our, you know, pricing works? And then you can, we can, if there's any other time, then we can go through there. Or is it they want to see prior quals on other projects that we've done that are like this in a similar industry? What makes the most sense to be as, you know, utilize that person's time knowing it's valuable most efficiently, right? And that's the framing question is what can we do to make this meeting as impactful and valuable for them rather than walk through our, well, this is how we always do it. So this is how we're going to do it. And I think one element to add to that is, or, or, or to to complement that, is the fact that oftentimes, not always, the decision maker isn't necessarily the one that we're going to be working with mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I think, you know, as you're approaching a decision maker, understanding who the players are that you are going to be most closely working with and the impact that you're going to have, or the people you're going to have the greatest impact on, and, and start to build that trust with them even before you get to a yes or a no. Because we talk about trust being the ultimate goal and, and, and having that impact. If they recognize that you, know, you are going to them to say, here's what I'm outlining, here's the presentation I have, I want to make sure you're aligned with mm -hmm. this because I know ultimately this is going to be your project and or something that impacts you greatly. And I want to be respectful of that. And I, I think that has you know really that just shows people that we genuinely care in how we are approaching a particular engagement or situation with them. Any other guidelines in terms of, you know, like value prop or presentation, any other best practices, you know, building on what you've already said? Um, I know I tend to. Yeah, I would say. Uh, go ahead. I would probably just say be willing and able to tailor your approach as needed, right? That's being agile. Um, your presentation, your proposal, your execution isn't always going to look the exact same across the board because everybody's needs um, are different and everybody's wants and their own, what they view as valuable to them is different, right? We're all, us three sitting here probably have different views of what value Embark brings to our lives. Overall, it's probably very similar, but 
unique in and of itself. So I would just say, you know, don't, well, even this, right? When you get related to, we all get phone calls that we uh, don't want to answer and then we answer and it's very obvious they're reading from a script, right? You don't want to read from the script. You want to be able to tailor it to somebody's needs and wants. And that's how you show an understanding and a care for that. So um, there's not much <laughs> I wish I could yeah. Well, I know, I know at some point, I think, uh, and I mean, you bring up some great points too. So this may not always be the case, but just like being concise, or I think you said something at one point, Mary, about like, you know, does it fit onto one page or something yes, like that? Yes, I, I, I love a good one pager. Someone told mm-hmm. me once that if I couldn't articulate what I was doing or my value or my impact in one page, then I didn't know what my value, my impact, or, or my, you know, the value I'm bringing to the situation. And so, kind of along those lines, um, I would say do your homework. And and there's so much information out there. Sometimes a little scary amount of information, but you know, if you know you are going to meet someone and and you know as much as their name or you know what where they work, investing that five minutes to even say like, okay, I know a little bit about your company or I know a little bit about you or, you know what, we have, you know, a great mutual connection. How do you know so-and-so um, really just shows that you didn't just show up, you know, come yeah. flying into the meeting. It shows that you took the time and, and, and that just puts everybody at ease. And I think, you know, regardless of what side of the table you're on, there's always anxiety in meeting somebody who you don't know or over a challenging circumstance or situation at work. And so where you can just kind of, you know, create a common uh, level for you to start the conversation on, it's, um, I've always found that to be very uh, calming and, and start conversations off really well. Another thing I, I've, I've experienced is, you know, having having something I do not proclaim to be the world's best salesperson. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I have been told yes before and I thought, OK, that means we're they're ready to go. Right. Or we're moving to the next step. Um, and then, you know, crickets days, you know, go by. Hey, what happened? So clearly, yes, doesn't always mean yes. Um, yeah. What, what do you do when you hear yes? Like, how do you, I think you've said something about levels of affirmation or something like that. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to that example over, are you just saying yes to get them to hang up and go <laughs> away? Are you saying yes because it sounds good, but ultimately you're not the decision maker. And so that's why you hear crickets or are you hearing a committed yes? And that comes down to getting next steps aligned mm-hmm. um, once you hear yes. And also, you know, mirroring and referring back to what you just, you know, summarizing, I should say, summarizing what that yes means. I hear you say yes to, you know, you want another Coke (laughs) or something. Do you want the large or small? How can we, you know, get to that confirmation of, I said yes because I actually want it, or I'm saying yes because I just want you to hang up um, and end this call. And so summarizing, okay, what I'm hearing is, the next steps are we're going to get you over a statement of work and CSA outlining this agreement. Who do we send that to? Is it you? Do we send it to somebody else? Do we need to have a follow-up over timing? What's the expectation? Having the follow-up questions, not just hearing yes, and that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Awesome. Thank you so much for the meeting. And then you hang up and then it's like, well, wait, what, what just happened? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And asking if there's any other stakeholders that need to come in on the yes with you is also very Mm -hmm. important because, 
you know, a controller might be like, this is the best phone call I've ever received and someone wants to help me. And I say, yes, but, you know, do they have that, that, um, that authority or, or, or that right to be able to commit an organization um, to signing up for services? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think just asking that question also gives the other person the opportunity to say, okay, maybe I got a little too excited. Yeah. And yeah, there are a few more people or, or hoops we need to jump through and think about. I've um, also been on the, uh, the inevitable no end um, many, many times. Um, I thought it, it, it's interesting at the beginning of our conversation, how you, you know, no is like a, you view it as a victory. Um, tell me more about that. Yeah. So conversely, when you hear that positive, yes, the no gives the power to that, that person or team or company you're talking to, right? It gives them the power that they can say no rather than just, Hey, I'm a controller, not, Hey, I'm a controller, but I'm a controller that doesn't have decision-making capabilities, but I'm just going to say yes, because I, you know, I say yes, and then I'll forget all the emails. Giving them the power to say no means now we have a mutual understanding and respect where I can then leverage, okay, feel free to say no, right? Okay. But now what about my proposal or idea? Are the benefits not aligned with X, Y, Z, you know, improving your process and close speed? What about that you know, doesn't appeal to you. It begins there, the value prop finding, right? Something about what we proposed didn't land with them or they didn't understand or we did a poor job, I should say. It should all, the ownership should always be on on you presenting, not oh, we walked away and they didn't understand. How can I present better where my value proposition lands with you? And that no makes it begin that conversation, right? Feel free to say no from here on out because you already said no. So now you have the power, you're owning the decision, which we want you to do because we want you to ultimately buy in. Now we have to understand why you said no Mm -hmm. and what about my idea, proposal, plan, et cetera, isn't aligned with where you're trying to take your organization, your team. And that's why no's are very great, right? because it's not the end, it's just the beginning of saying, okay, well now, what do you truly value if it's not time? Because we just, you know, we're trying to improve your closed processes, so what else do you value besides that time? And if it's, well, that's just too expensive, oh, okay, so budget budgeting is a concern, what about? And then we start peeling back and driving down that path, right? It's almost, I think as, you know, we're almost conditioned to, I don't, I don't want to hurt Mary's feelings yes, or I don't want to say that. Right. So like, so, 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 so no is like a form of trust, right? It's yes, like, right. I finally feel comfortable enough yes. to just flat out tell you, no, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I think often when I sat in a controller chair, you would get these phone calls and you're like, yes, because I felt bad. I didn't want to say no. And, and now I've, I've also, you know, now sitting somewhat on the other side of that is, like I recognize saying no sometimes is the most respectful thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And 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 it doesn't lead somebody on or or allow them to think like, oh, this is a real viable opportunity and then pour, you know, time and resources into doing it if it truly isn't viable at that moment. Now it, again, it doesn't end the conversation, but I think it's something I've learned to be very direct with people in in a kind and caring way. And even to further that, right? Your nose, 
I hope I didn't present it where it's like every time you hear a no, you can ultimately get to a yes. Yeah, no. No, when you say sometimes things no does mean this isn't going to ever work for us. But getting through that whole process, as we talked about, that's very valuable feedback. Yes. Over, you know, anytime something goes wrong in your career, it's actually a good opportunity to reflect on, well, what did go wrong and why did it go wrong? We can take those opportunities where, hey, we hit no, we heard no, we asked all these questions, we got to another no, we asked some more questions, we got to a no, nothing ever came of it. Okay, well, let's reflect. What could we have done better? What, you know, and then ultimately being able to implement processes and further questions, I'll ask the question wrong, maybe that's why. And then, um, so you have valuable lessons in those no's and that's why it's also good to hear them. I also didn't want to frame it like every time you hear no, it means you can ultimately get to well, a yes. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure somebody's selling a course on how to turn any no yeah, to yeah. a yes every time. Um, you, so well, I, you just you touched on something, which is like the, the follow-up question to whether it be yes or no. Like, yes, it, you know, it's more of a like repeat back what you heard, make sure we're aligned on what next steps are. Is there really mm-hmm. buy-in here? But if it's no... I noticed the way you asked a question. It was you, you didn't ask me a question I could say yes or no to. You asked me a question that would somehow, some way, you're going to get more context. Yeah, you need those open-ended questions, right? And a lot of the scripts, if we go back to the telemarketer, right? <laughs> yeah. The scripts are trying to get you to say yes all the time. And you're like, do you like your current service provider? <laughs> or, or it's a no, yes, yes, no questions. Um, you know, the typical who, what, when, where, why, but really focusing on how and what. Yeah. I think are the more valuable questions. Mary, can you think of a time, which regardless of whichever seat you were in, the person who was, you know, I'm trying to get to win your business or trust, or, you know, on the other side, can you think of a time when no eventually did turn into a, you know, this relationship or this, you know, us working together, move forward to the next level, even though it went through a no to get there. Yeah. I've got a great example. Um, when I sat in the chair as a controller, um, I had a sales gentleman from a software company continue to call me um, trying to get me to buy a reconciliation tool, which I knew deep down inside we really, really needed, <laughs> um, but it just wasn't in the budget and it just wasn't you know, one of the, the main priorities that we needed to tackle in that quarter or call it six month period. And so um, one of the things that he did that was really nice is he said he he didn't live in Phoenix at the time but he said hey I'm coming to visit another client in Phoenix I'd love to grab lunch with you and just kind of you know learn a little bit about you personally and not necessarily um you know your objectives at work cuz we've covered some of those um and and he just you know, wasn't always the same form of communication, which I thought was really valuable. It's like, you know, phone calls resonate with some people, um, you know, coffee or, you know, text messages resonate with other people. And I think, um, you know, eventually did become a yes when the timing was right. But I just really appreciated kind of that tailored approach to not just always calling me. You guys will probably know this. I'm not a huge phone talker. And so, um, it was just really nice to be able to establish a, a connection. And it, what's uh, 
what's really rewarding out of all of that is that subsequent to his career in software sales, he applied to law school and he asked me to write a recommendation for him to go to law school. And and I just thought it was kind of full circle about how, you know, talking a little bit about his persuasiveness and yeah. why I thought that would lend itself to law school, but just the genuine, um, you know, relationship that we ended up building um, through a process of buying reconciliation software. Yeah, that's, I mean, it, well, it's just, it's a great reminder that, you know, there's no to this doesn't mean no to something else yeah. and no today doesn't mean no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And there's there's more important things in, in many cases beyond the answer to that particular question, mm-hmm. maybe for another podcast. But um, yeah. uh, how about you? Oh, well, I was actually just thinking of a really simple example of just sometimes no is a yes, right? Uh, are you f- free now to talk? versus is now a bad time to call, right? Is now a bad time to call? No. You also empower them to say yes. Mm-hmm. Are you free to talk or are you available now? Is always like, oh, you know, I'm in between meetings. I guess I am, but I don't really want to talk, <laughs> right? So that's where like the no is actually, yeah, it's not a bad time. Or I'm giving you the power to say, yeah, it is a bad time, but you can call me back in, in 15 minutes or mm-hmm. so. Um, so that's just a really simple example. It's a powerful example. Um, yeah. But as far as, you know, I think what Mary pointed out too is the form of communication and sometimes a no for this business proposal or project, but then keeping up the communication over coffee, lunch, golf, bowling, Mm -hmm. axe throwing, (laughs) whatever it may be, right? Where, hey, I'm not going to talk business at all. I just want to get to know you, Mm -hmm. um, understand your family, you know talk about, hey, we both live in the same area. What do you like to do? That leads to getting to know them, but also you kind of understand where they're coming. It goes back to the understanding of what they value as well as eventually if there is a problem you can help fix, you build so much trust that they'll give you a call when when the time is right. Um, So it's, you know, hey, I get it. It's not in the budget. You can't do a reconciliation tool, but let's grab lunch. Let's go to a, you know, a Suns game, a Mavs game. Let's just get to know each other and, you know, build a relationship. I know it's, we're not going to win any work right now, but you know, in the future, let's have conversations. And that's where you get to uncover what you may not have known, right? Whether it's, Hey, we don't need a reconciliation tool, but we are transitioning ERP systems. Oh, well, I'm selling you the wrong thing then. Yeah. And well, and, you know, you made me think of, you know, I think it's great when mutual growth aligns, right? But I think it's almost even more of a superpower if you can walk away understanding what does somebody need to get to wherever they want to get next. And maybe I can't provide that solution. Maybe my company can't provide that solution. But the more often we can recognize and get to know people well enough to answer that question, that's going to create opportunities down the road for us. Um, you, you, we, we started at the beginning talking about your career paths and just, you know, being in different circumstances and the experience you got from your wins, but also your losses. That's going to happen for everybody who's listening to this at some point. But what are some proactive things that people can do to kind of accelerate and get more at bats, get more reps to, to just improve at this? Um, one thing that I found really 
powerful and has helped me get a lot of reps in um, kind of outside of my professional life um, or my career is joining um, various organizations or for me, a, a not for, not for profit board. Um, I, I mean, it started as simple as someone asking me to help do the finances for my daughter's preschool. And I spent seven years on the preschool board of helping them, you know, get to a financially secure place. And, and when my girls left um, daycare and, and moved to their school, um, I found a local organization that really resonated with me called Ryan House. And um, I happened to know of them, but then I saw through a CPA uh, bo- job board posting that they were looking for a an accountant to help with their finances. And um, I've gotten to meet some really wonderful people and see some beautiful, beautiful um, situations that although very challenging and, and difficult for the families going through them to have this environment where they can go and, and be at peace with their loved ones um, and, and to be able to bring, call it my my time and my talents because I don't have a ton of treasure to give today but I you know I I think trying to find those opportunities where your passions meet your you know long-term professional goals like don't just take it because you think it'd be a great resume builder today but looking at the investment in in kind of the long-term plan and that to me um you know, I, I was very particular when I got off the preschool board to like say, okay, where is it that I really want to dedicate my time and my talents to beside my family and, and my career? And, um, you know, some of those relationships have turned into career opportunities for Embark, which has been really neat, um, but certainly not the intention. And so I would encourage everyone to go out and, and find those passion the the to find a, an organization that aligns with your passion and see how you can help serve them yeah and that's i think that's critical is don't do it thinking that it's there's something in it for you um because people will see through your intentions pretty quickly and that kind of goes internally too with a whatever organization you're you're currently at big four a company embark don't just raise your hand to be a part of an internal initiative because you feel like it will, you know, be a good resume builder. You, if you're really passionate about it, you'll see the fruits of your of your labor in that instance. Um, and I would just encourage there's so many lessons here where you don't even have to use it in your career. Right. It's applicable to your life dealing with a telemarketer. Um, <laughs> You know, dealing with waiters, dealing with car salesmen, buying a house, your significant others, your family, right? Just listening and, you know, getting reps in over, hey, I, you know, maybe I'm going to try out some tips and tricks on my wife to see if I can golf this weekend. Like, how can I talk <laughs> and negotiate with her yeah. to see if I can get an ultimate yes that she's committed to? Um, so I think it's just really great to navigate through life and, you know, start thinking about each situation of how can I ask questions, but also with the genuine, you know, care involved in it. Because again, people read right through intentions. And if it's very, hey, I'm doing this selfishly, um, whether that's helping out an organization or raising your hand for an internal initiative, whatever that may be, you know, it, it will come through as selfish throughout whoever you're dealing with. So really, being passionate about it um and also 
if you are seeing something that isn't there at your organization, raising your hand and volunteering to do it. Yeah. You know, hey, I really wish we had this program and it's currently not offered. Who do I have to go to to get, you know, funding, a budget for this to start, you know, a steering committee? That is an awesome opportunity for you to implement your vision on, on your current organization. I have one more question. Um, having, having been in different roles where maybe I wasn't, you know, like everything we're talking about today, talk about it's one thing to hear it on a podcast, it's another thing to go execute it, right? I think sometimes all of us can use help uh, improving at this. You're both in roles where you lead teams. You know, there's people who you're developing on your team. You mentioned earlier, Mary, you know, how can I, how can somebody learn how to put themselves out of a job? Yeah. When you've got somebody who's at, I don't know, junior or even, you know, like me, I'm more than halfway through my career and I've still got a long way to go in this particular topic. So it's enjoyable to be doing this podcast. But what are some ways that you can help somebody who you know on your team maybe has some ambition or a vision or an idea, but maybe they're not really doing the best job about, you know, communicating it. Maybe they've skipped some of the steps we've talked about or they haven't considered some of the things. How do you as leaders help them, you know, feel like they're working, you know, maybe their idea didn't get approved this time, but you're helping them develop the skills so that they can go back and do a better job next time. You want to take that first? You want me to take it first? I, I'll, I I'll, I'll I give can... a quick answer um, to this one is to help them break it down. You know, I think there are so many wonderfully ambitious people in the world. Um, and, and sometimes the world's just not ready for as big a plans as we want to bring. And so I think, you know, a key is to say like, okay, here's where we want to eventually get to. So kind of taking that reverse engineering approach a little bit and saying like, how can we break this down in a way that we can tackle it a little more slowly? Oh, and, and then if we have an opportunity to pick up the pace and get to it, like let I'm, I'm here to run that with you. And so I, I think just helping them understand that, um, you know, careers are long. And I think we forget that. Um, I certainly did when I was 24 years old. Um, but now, you know, as an almost 42 year old, um, I, I think, you know, wow, just there's so much time that, um, I've been able to implement projects, some quicker than others, and and all equally impactful. So, you know, the quick ones weren't necessarily the best, um, and and some of the longer term, slower played um, initiatives that I've tried to bring places have been some of the most impactful and the most rewarding personally. Yeah, that's, I mean, perspective is everything, especially in this world today, right? We can get everything snap our fingers and get it. So perspective over the ultimate end goal is huge. I like to also, you know, what you mentioned, Kyle, is a lot of times they don't know that they are they can be empowered to do it, right? Hey, I'm so junior, I didn't know I could raise my hand and start this initiative. Well, if you're very passionate about it, people will follow you regardless of your title, whether you're an associate or a managing director. If you are passionate and have a plan and a vision and you, you know, outline the benefits of what that will mean to everybody, take it and run with it. And then how can we help? What does that look like? How can we be a guiding, you know, compass for that? Um, but you are empowered. And so directly in that capacity, I'm speaking to, you know, Embark specific. There are organizations where you may not feel mm, empowered, but there. <laughs> find the mentor that will empower you, right? Because um, there's somebody at every organization that will say, 
that's a great idea. Let me go run this by whoever it needs to be. Um, and we'll get you on that, you know, board or you can start it. So, you know, ask the, you know, find that person who will be your champion to empower you to go do what, you know, whatever this purpose vision may be. And if you don't know them, ask for an introduction. I think that's one of the most powerful things that we can do as leaders as well is to say like, you know what, that's not necessarily an area that I either have a lot of influence in or, or a lot of knowledge that would be helpful in this situation for you. But you know what, let me introduce you to my friend, Matt. He's, you know, able to do this and I've seen him do it really, really well. And he's a great person to learn from and, and I'm here to support you, but let me make that introduction for you. This has been a powerful conversation um, as I feel like we've covered uh, from a lot of different angles. And I appreciate the, the last answer because um, I, I know that would have been helpful for me to work for somebody who helped me get that out. Um, is there anything that we should have talked about that we didn't? No. I think we touched on most of it. Okay. Um, you made me say no. So there yeah. you go. All right. Hey, accident. But sometimes yeah. accidents can. Be, I, you know, I just just hearing this conversation, I know like so much of it had to do with you know how can we how can we influence. Um, but some of the takeaways I come with is like we we make time for people who care, we listen to people who understand us, yep. and then we grow with people we trust. And if we can accomplish all three of those things, then. You know, a lot of ideas can come to fruition and who cares how it manifests, right? It's there's yeah. something fulfilling about building or e- even just the relationship itself. Absolutely. So um, thank you both for your time and for your wisdom and uh, for your vulnerability and honesty. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. I hope you got a ton of value from our panel and choose to transform their insights into action and unstoppable momentum. If you have a follow-up question or a future topic request, please email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com. That's podcasts at embarkwithus.com so we can get to work on creating content that'll get you wherever you want to grow. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom to help you work smarter and level up faster. And lastly, if you're a repeat listener, consider supporting the show with a five-star rating so those algorithms can expand our reach and impact. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being here. Cheers.